there are a lot of restaurants that have opened up in and around five star hotels and these are great uh, but the guests that do come and dine in into a five star world uh, know that they are going to get an experience that they would otherwise not get in in a bistro uh, kind of a restaurant Today on Dirty Linen, we are diving into the complex, busy world of hotels. Our guest is Apova Kunte. He is the executive chef of the Western in Melbourne. He's worked at hotels around the world, including his native India, Bangladesh, Oman and Sydney, before moving to Melbourne last year. Apova, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you for having me on, Danny. Thank you. It's really, really great to have you on and yeah, just get into this world of hotels, which is so important to hospitality and to, I guess, the economy generally. How is the Western going? Uh, the Western's uh, been buzzing since the uh, time we opened up post the long uh, lockdowns in Melbourne. Uh, but we've also seen a drop in um, the number of guests that come in based on how the government goes around uh, with their approach towards uh, having some of the people work from home, um, uh, but uh, with the traveling opening up, it's just been buzzing. Uh, the business has gone from zero to hundred, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and who are you getting there as guests? Like, is it people from overseas, interstate? Is it staycations? What's going on? Uh, we are getting a lot of interstate traveler, a lot of corporates coming through. I think uh, for the last two years, they were not able to go and have their face-to-face -face meetings uh, around uh, Different cities, so that's uh, that's happening at the same time uh, along alongside the staycationers. A lot of guests who want to uh, probably stay with us, uh, work from the hotel room, and um, experience the city after. Uh, so that they're coming in midweek and then spending the weekend with us as well. Mm, sounds sounds really good. Well, tell us about the food offering there. The, you know, what what sort of kitchens are you in charge of? What are the outlets in the hotel? Uh, we've got uh, some lovely kitchen spaces uh, and dining options for the hotel. We've got a, a lobby bar lounge uh, in here where we are doing uh, a lot of uh, a la carte food uh, and our specialty high teas. We've just launched a new uh, high society concept uh, which showcases caviar, cheese and chocolate um, uh, over a meal uh, when you come in. We also have a restaurant called the Allegro, which does uh, a buffet breakfast uh, to start with. We are still not opening it for lunch and dinner because of inconsistency in, in the number of uh, guests that come in for dining. Uh, but we will eventually open that as well. Mm. And, you know, tell me about this, the staff, like the workforce you've got there, like how many people are working with you and um, how challenging is that at the moment? I've got a really uh, uh, very talented uh, team of chefs. Uh, I've got around 14 chefs working with me uh, at the moment, uh, and we are striving to, uh, you know, get hold of the business and and work towards it. I, I think it's just been challenging since when we opened up. Uh, everyone was not used to uh, the same rush of guests coming through the doors for the last two years uh, but over over a period of time the team has been fantastic done really great uh, and picked up uh, their roles mm, that's really good well i'd love to learn a bit more about you like what took you into chefing in the first place and and your extraordinary career all around the world T tell us what made you want to be a chef and go into hospitality 
uh, as a bit of a story to that, Danny, uh, I think I was in my seventh or eighth grade back in school, and I used to love this uh, cottage cheese dish that we call paneer uh, in India. Uh, and I, me and my parents would go to a restaurant after a swim, and I would keep ordering that all the time. Once I asked my father, I said, you know, I, I keep asking you to come down to the restaurant every time we we want to eat this. I said, can you ask uh, someone to take me into the kitchens? And I want to learn it so I can make it at home. I, we don't need to come out all the time. Uh, apparently, so he did that on my request. And I went and stood next to a chef in the kitchen uh, and learned how to make make the dish. And that was my first venture into a professional kitchen. And I loved the uh, hustle and bustle around it. Uh, all the noises and the screaming and the and the the, the spoon and the wok being tossed around into it, um, and I thought, yeah, this is this is great. Uh, I could I could cook some good food for myself, eat it too, and ultimately, if I am able to serve it out to uh, my family or, or friends, uh, they would like it. So I think that was my first time, and I've never looked back since. I knew in my eighth grade that I would want to be a chef. Um, and I, I kept on pursuing that all through my school uh, schooling time. Oh, that's such a great story. I absolutely love it. And do you still love making paneer? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it, I, in fact, I did a batch just last week uh, with my mother-in-law. She was, she was going over uh, having a bit of a get-together with some of her friends. So I cooked for 20 people. Uh, and I said, oh, let's do the paneer. Uh, and they loved it. And that is what gives me happiness, I think, uh, you know, cooking for people uh, and seeing them enjoy it. And so, I mean, you went, you studied hospitality and went into hotels early in your career where I guess, you know, you're learning a lot of international cuisines. Tell us about, you know, the way that you approached your career. Was that was that quite strategic or is that just how you, does that, is that just what you fell into? Uh, I approached my career very strategically. Uh, strategically, uh, I actually was uh, recruited on uh, campus by uh, the Indian Hotel Company, which runs uh, the really popular Taj group of hotels in India. I was chosen as a management trainee with them. Uh, what I thought was uh, I would go into learning a lot of Western cuisine. That's how we call it in India. We call it Western cuisine or conti- continental cuisine. Uh, uh, specializing in more French and uh, Italian techniques of cooking uh, because I come in from a very multicultural family. My my parents are from two different parts of India uh, with uh, well-known for their own uh, foodie cities, if I may call so. Uh, and so is the rest of my family. So I've, I've been brought up eating cuisine from India, from all around uh, the country. So I had that uh, in me uh, saying I, I do have a bit of a regional cuisine knowledge and I wanted to learn a lot of international cuisine so I worked with chefs from around the world and every every chef that would travel into India or with the Taj Hotel to I would put my hand up to work with them uh, and train under them and then that gave me a lot of opportunity to learn from these chefs. Ah, so interesting. And I mean, your CV, I've seen your CV and it's absolutely incredible. I mean, some of the things that stood out for me were that you won a competition for cooking the best scrambled eggs in India. And you've also cooked for some extraordinary VIPs, including the Dalai Lama. Can you tell me, tell me about this scrambled eggs business and some of the other highlights along the way? 
the scrambled eggs uh, was uh, was a bit of a, a, a surprise. Uh, this is a really uh, known food critic, uh, Mr. Veer Sangvi, who would write for one of the leading newspapers in the country. He would be a regular at one of the restaurants. Uh, and I was fairly new to the restaurant. Uh, I would see him every Sunday coming down for a brunch. Um, and this one Sunday while I was there, uh, I had recently taken over the kitchens of that restaurant. And he came in and said, I just want to have a portion of scrambled eggs. Uh, we would usually have some caviar on the brunch as well. So I I, I took over. I said, I let me cook this portion of scrambled eggs. Um, and that's those those went out. Uh, I I primarily did it because it was a VIP dining in the in the restaurant. It was not to you know to to make a mark or say, oh, you know, I, I have done this for you, kind of a thing. It was just my way of saying that oh, I've, I've cooked for a VIP guest who I think uh, is is really important in terms of the food scene in the country. And he came back uh, the next time and said, oh, these were the best scrambled eggs that I've ever had in the country. <laughs> That's so amazing. So, I mean, what's the secret? Like, how do you make great scrambled eggs? Uh, a lot of butter, uh, good cooking temperature, and I think the secret for my food is love and passion a lot of that uh, everything that i cook uh, and that's what i work with the team here is to put a lot of love and passion into it uh, you know regardless of how good or bad you're having a day when you come onto the range heat up that fan on uh, it just needs to switch off and all your love for food uh, the reason that you are a chef for needs to come in and translate into the food that you're cooking Mm, love it. And what are some other highlights of your career from your perspective? Uh, some of the other highlights would be uh, working with uh, Chef Alan Passard. Uh, he's a three Michelin star chef uh, known for cooking vegetarian food and uh, at, at his really popular restaurant in Paris. And I, I think I a lot of my outlook towards food changed when I worked with him and saw uh, his dedication towards cooking vegetarian food, uh, even if even though India as a country has a lot of vegetarian cuisine in it, uh, cooking that cooking vegetarian food uh, using Western techniques or French classical techniques was something that I really uh, learned from him. And so that I would say was definitely a highlight. And then working with uh, Chef Luciano uh, Parolori, who is known as the king of risottos in the world. He used to be the executive chef for uh, 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 a five-star hotel on Lake Como. Uh, so that those were two cooking highlights, I would say. But the one of the best experiences was when I cooked for His Holiness Dalai Lama and also George Clooney. Cooking for His Holiness was extremely calming, I would say. I, I went up to meet him after I served the food uh, to his room and he held my hand and he said, uh, you know, that's wonderful. And I think just when he held my hand, there was a kind of an aura that passed on to me and I, I really felt uh, very calm and composed and at peace. Uh, uh, so that was one really divine experience, if I may call it. Um, That's really incredible. Um, what did he eat? Um, he, he ate uh, Indian vegetarian food, um, uh, 
from our in-room dining menu. Uh, so there was nothing special catered for him. He ordered off the menu, uh, but he was staying with us for uh, for over 15 days. Uh, so we would make sure that we would add on a dish from our end. Uh, so just to give him a bit of a variety. Uh, so I think uh, we'd, we'd cooked some cauliflower and potatoes for him, um, some really hot uh, Indian breads, which we call fulkas, uh, which are nice, these puffy breads, um, unlike the regular roti or parathas that you would see uh, being fried in oil. These are just um, cooked over a, a live fire. Um, so that, I think that was what we cooked for him. Wow, that must have felt so special to be preparing food for him. It was. It was extremely special. Uh, and I still am like a kid in a, in Candyland when I when I when I cook for these uh, uh, esteemed guests, uh, and I have the opportunity to meet them as well afterwards. And what can you tell us about George Clooney? Uh, George Clooney was, I think, one of the most humble uh, celebrities I've ever met. Um, I did not know I was cooking for him. I was just called in uh, by one of our chef de cuisines in the hotel. Uh, I was working in my, I was taking care of my restaurant and he called me over. In five stars in India would have three or four restaurants or outlets. Uh, and I got a call and said, oh, chef, I need your help. I need you to come up and, and cook me something. I've got a big group of people. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go up. I uh, had my junior sous chef take over and I cooked this food. Um, he did not tell me who I was cooking for. Uh, I, I cooked whatever was on the uh, the docket. Uh, went out into the restaurant. It's like, who's this? You know, big group of guests that chef got so uh, you know worked up about. So I went out and see. Like, who's these guests? And uh, and I see George Clooney turning around and getting up and and calling out. It's like, is that the chef who cooked my food? Um, and 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 the server on the table is like, oh, chef, I think he's calling you over. And he just hugged me. He didn't say anything. He just, he just hugged me and he said, you know, I did not expect this kind of food at all. And this was mind blowing. And uh, I'm so happy to that we chose this restaurant to dine at. Apova, what do you think, you know, what do you think of the place of five-star hotels in, in the culinary landscape these days? I feel like they've sort of, you know, they're always there, but they've gone in and out of fashion. You know, the restaurants have been you know, there's been more or less focus on the restaurants as times have changed. What what place do you think that they still have um, in today's world? I think, uh, I believe five-star hotels uh, are, are places that uh, guests or people look at, uh, not just in terms of accommodation, but also in terms of quality dining and quality options. There are a lot of restaurants that have opened up in and around five-star hotels and these are great uh, but the guests that do come and dine in into a five-star world uh, know that they are going to get an experience that they would otherwise not get in in a bistro uh, kind of a restaurant or even a hatted restaurant uh, which has probably a more casual dining concept uh, a five-star experience would be a little more than a restaurant experience. So I think they will always be there. They will always stay. We also have evolved over a period of time uh, in terms of how we serve our food, how how we service our guests and, and approach towards guests. It has been, there are, there are restaurants that do serve the silver service way, uh, the classical way. And then there's a lot of 
uh, a casual fine dining approach, if I may call it, wherein it's not very uh, uptight and you, the people are still able to sit down and have a relaxed meal. What about from a training point of view, you know, for employees, what sort of um, what sort of benefits might there be to working in a, in a hotel environment? Uh, I think the hotel environment uh, gives a lot of opportunity for for chefs, if I may say so, on their behalf uh, uh, to learn different aspects of cuisine. Uh, it, it's just not catering to one kind of uh, uh, you know, meal, whereas, which is what a restaurant would do in, in a five-star hotel, you would have a five o'clock start f- to do a buffet uh, breakfast followed by an a la carte breakfast, which is what you would get in a, another restaurant, uh, followed by a high tea. Uh, we will have events happening at the same time for, from ranging from 15, 20 guests to over 300 guests. Uh, we would have a buffet for them. We would have plated events for them. We will also have a la carte dining, uh, which going which goes into lunch and dinner. So, so different aspects of cuisine, different aspects of food, different meal times, all catered to under one roof. Uh, so that's that's something great for them to learn uh, as part of training, hygiene, uh, and uh, and and the practices and thereof are extremely important for any five star establishment. So that's something that they would also learn uh, because we really stress on on these aspects in the hotel uh, for us. Mm, so almost like a hospitality university with all these different aspects. Yes, yes, absolutely. You got it right on. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you what do you think about the the kinds of students that the culinary schools are producing in Australia? Do you feel like there's, you know, the curriculums are really sort of tapped into what students need to know these days? Uh, with regards to the uh, curriculum for the schools, I think it's a bit of hit and miss. Uh, there's a lot of uh, developments that happen in the industry, and I think uh, keeping the institutes, keeping it up to date uh, by involving a lot of industry experts uh, by doing either pop-up sessions with the students or even taking some of their inputs would help. A uh, lot of the curriculum is also uh, based on the fact that cuisine is to be taught a certain way uh, but it hasn't evolved since uh, from those basic things uh, i do stress uh, to every student who comes into the hotel to know their basics uh, and or to make sure that they are uh, learning all of those while they are in school but there's so much more than basics that uh, a student today would need to know when they come out of an institute because you've got food all around which wasn't the same uh, maybe 15 years back when I started it was just learning these things from a from a book and then practicing those when you go on to a into a professional kitchen mm. what sort of dishes do you love to work with students on or you know young apprentices that really you know show them a lot of skills and help develop them uh, a lot of a lot of knife skills to start with uh, because when you are in the institute, you are just handling four vegetables or five vegetables or cooking for a limited number of guests. So the knife skills are not as sharp as one would require them to be once they come into a professional kitchen. So we work with the students, a lot of their knife skills, we work uh, uh, to brush up on the basics that they might have learned back in school, uh, doing soups and salads and basic uh, breads and cakes. Uh, and then once they are 
um, they've been brushed up on that knowledge, then we pick it up from there. And uh, I idly take a student from start to finish. And my approach is that he would go into a store, see what the product is, order that product in, make it, uh, and then finish it as well and or plate it up uh, with uh, after garnishing it. So he sees from the start to the finish uh, and he, he goes back home saying, yeah, I've accomplished something. I know exactly how much quantity I need to order to make that batch of product and how it needs to be presented at the end of the day. Mm, yeah, so that real comprehensive mm. um, process. What What is it, Apoorva, that keeps you passionate and excited about your work? Uh, what keeps me passionate is uh, the ability to learn from uh, my team members um, and grow with them. A lot of innovation that happens on the job, um, especially in five-star hotels where we get last-minute requests coming in from guests or VIPs checking in, um, how we can work towards uh, creating a menu dish uh, or, or creating a dish which is not on the menu but making sure that they experience the or they have the best five-star experience when they stay with us. So that that keeps me motivated uh, a lot. Wow. What what kinds of things do people ask for? I just never thought of doing that, like going off menu and being that demanding, but I guess that's just what it's all about. What what are some things that people have surprised you by requesting? Um, just the top of my head, uh, I would say a lot of uh, dietaries that come around our way, I'll give you an example. Uh, while I was in Sydney and we would work with the quarantine uh, team, we would have approximately 150 dietaries coming our way every day uh, for 600 guests staying at the Sheraton. Uh, and these would range from uh, getting a, a completely gluten-free FODMAP diet uh, approach to it, uh, to the cuisine. Uh, and then we would need to make everything from scratch uh, for this particular guest. Uh, which was not a lot of time, uh, especially when you are running a busy kitchen. Yeah, that's amazing. So you were looking after the hotel quarantine through the pandemic at the Sheraton. Yeah, yes, we were doing that. That that kept us afloat. (laughs) I bet that's something, I mean, you could never have imagined when you started your career that that's what you would end up doing. Not at all. Um, I remember uh, when I started my career in 2005 or, or even before that when I told my parents I wanted to be a chef. Uh, they would say, why this? Why not a doctor? Why not an engineer? Why not an architect like every parent would want their child to be? And I would say, see, food and fashion are two industries that would never die, that would never stop. Uh, come the pandemic, I think it was one of the first industries that was put to a full stop, um, which was really alarming for me. And I was a bit of a bit disheartened, uh, uh, if I may say so. Uh, but it was really nice. I never thought that I, I would put food in a box or pack it up and then send it. But I also learned a lot with the team on site. Uh, we had to innovate in terms of cuisine. We needed to make sure that it was presented well. It traveled well, 10 flows up uh, uh, because and and we produced it in sick and big numbers. Uh, everything was produced on site. We did not buy things off the shelf. So uh, how can we work and bring an entire meal together for someone who's been sitting in their room for two weeks um, and it might be a bit frustrated at the fact that they are not able to come out. And food was their way of experiencing the outside world. 
Oh, honestly, I've heard so many bad stories about food in hotel quarantine. I reckon your hotel would have been the best place to stay hearing that, you know, care and concern and, and yeah, um, creativity that you're still putting into it. That's, um, yeah, I reckon you would have really soothed a lot of people through that quarantine, Apova. Um, I love the sound of this new afternoon tea that you're doing at the Western. If I was to come along, what, what kinds of things would you serve me? Uh, so the the concept, like I mentioned earlier, would is based on uh, really luxury ingredients being put together on uh, a, a high tea stand. It, it starts with a smoked tart of Oriking salmon, which is known as the Wagyu of salmon in the world, uh, uh, served along an avocado fool uh, and a charcoal tart, followed by uh, a Le Crocant uh, cheese, which is being baked and served with homemade date and apricot crackers um, and and some lavash. Uh, we also are doing a berliner that's filled with telegio and anduia. Uh, it's nice, gooey, cheesy filling uh, coming through that. Uh, but it kind of uh, really uh, brings up the palate, uh, has that umami burst to it because it's been uh, dusted with a bacon uh, and onion powder uh, going through. Uh, on top, uh, followed by using uh, Ossetra caviar that's been uh, sustainably sourced. Uh, we are serving it with some uh, Brillat Savarin cream, uh, cream cheese over a, a dill and fennel scented scone. Uh, so these are some of the things that uh, you start off your meal with, uh, by but ending it on a high with a single origin chocolate uh, desserts. Uh, We've done a take on the Black Forest uh, cake uh, and made it into a cookie sandwich uh, using uh, Valrona uh, single origin chocolate. We are also doing uh, a warm chocolate tart uh, that's uh, topped up with a burnt marshmallow over rosemary skewer uh, and then using a plant-based chocolate called the Amantica, uh, which was the first plant-based chocolate in the world. uh, And then you finish your meal with that plant-based chocolate crisp, uh, which has been uh, flavored with some freeze-dried raspberries and some Olsen's red gum salt. Oh my goodness! Okay, I'm coming, and I'm gonna. I want to do the staycation as well. It all sounds so good, and sounds like it's so much fun to make. So many different techniques and interesting produce that you're using along the way. Really, yeah. Wow. Um, Apoorva, it's been so great to chat to you to learn more about your world um, and, yeah, take us into those uh, incredible five-star kitchens. Thank you so much for sharing with us today on Dirty Linen. It's been great, great to have you as a guest. Thank you, Danny, for having me. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you and interact with you. Uh, and I look forward to having you here soon. Yeah, same. Thank you. Thank you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.